Good day, friends, and uh, those of you who are listening to this, thank you so much for joining me. It's actually been a while since I've done a podcast, and I'm hoping everything goes okay. I had uh, Anchor as the platform that I was using, and I guess Anchor is now Spotify, and um, my technology skills are below the level of my grandchildren, so I'm hoping everything goes okay here and that you actually get this. In any event, the last podcast I was hoping to encourage with the story of David and Goliath. And the point of that was to see that how David defeated Goliath and also to realize how the Goliaths of our lives at this point that we're living can also be defeated in the same manner that uh, David defeated Goliath. And believe me, there are Goliaths around today. But the other thing I wanted to do with this is to try to show that the enemy had a plan with Goliath, that how he was going to defeat Israel, but God's plan always supersedes the enemy's plan. And it isn't like God is just sitting there reacting to the enemy's plan. No, he's a step ahead of him all the time. God knew exactly what was going on with Goliath, and he had already prepared a David to defeat the Goliath. In other words, God's plan, I'll say it again, always supersedes the enemy's plan. So I'm hoping in this podcast to show how in the time frame we're living in right now, certainly the enemy is out there trying to do his thing. But rather than focus on what the enemy is doing, I think God's people need to focus on what is God doing at this particular time and how his plan, again, will overcome any plan of the enemy. So what we focus on will obviously become our future. So our focus needs to be on God and his plan rather than the enemy's plan. Now, I will say that Jesus exposed some things in his lifetime. Why did he do it? So that the people would not be deceived, so that they would say, hey, This is what the enemy's doing. Now, why did he tell them that? So that they would forsake it, so that they would turn to him and his kingdom. And so whenever we talk about the enemy's plan, what we're trying to do is expose it so people will not fall for the deception of the enemy and that they will turn to Jesus and his kingdom. And so what we look at with uh, the Goliaths of our day, the power lead, whatever you want to call them, And I want you to see that our Lord, even though they think they're doing their thing, our Lord is really pulling their strings. They're actually his puppets for his plans and his purpose. Does God author evil? No, he doesn't. But as Joseph told his brothers in Egypt, what the enemy means for evil, God turns it around. You know, the enemy thought he had Jesus on the cross and that was going to be it. Well, the cross became our forgiveness and redemption. And when he thought, oh, Christ died, no, the resurrection became our eternal life. So... (laughs) The point is, the enemy never wins here. Now, is there shaking going on in the world today? Yes, there is. There was a song when I was a kid, Jerry Lee Lewis did it, whole lot of shaking going on. And so we see the shaking going on today. You can sense it. There's an effort, uh, what I call by the, again, I mentioned that, the power elite and all their international organizations, uh, you know, the World Health, World Trade Organization, World Economic Forum, World Bank, International Monetary Fund, all this stuff, all these things that they want to eventually have the power come forth through them. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because, again, I don't want to focus on what the enemy's doing. I want to focus more on what God's doing. 
But anyway, I want you to see that the, this stuff is going on today. Uh, back in the early 90s, uh, George Bush, I call him the second. Prescott Bush was the first. George Bush, the president, was the second. And then his son is George Bush the third. But the Bush the second, he quoted a term in the early 90s, a new world order. It was probably the first time anybody heard that. Uh, phrase being used. And of course, the plan was from that time forward to begin to start this new world order. And it's all done in a, in a, in a way that it's presented as helping mankind, you know, who just can't make it without them working on our behalf. Well, you know, that's how it all got started in the garden. The enemy presented eating the forbidden fruit as something that was going to be good for man. So this thing that goes on today, the new world order, that stuff is all going to be presented as we want to help people when in fact they want to rule over people. It's the opposite. And, the, you know, let's face it, they through the deceptive marketing that goes on because they own all the news outlets and the marketing devices, it, it convinces us that only they have the solution. And unless all the nations cooperate with them, then, you know, we're all doomed. You know, we're hearing it with climate control. We just throw it through the health control with the pandemic. And it's uh, and it's going to go on and on. And it's just all to make it appear like we need them when, in fact, we need Jesus and we need his kingdom. Jesus cried out in Revelations, the 17th chapter and the 18th chapter, when he exposes the whole Babylonian system that's been there forever, and he's finally judging it. In the end, what he says is, come out of her, my people. He's calling us to come out of the very thing that they're presenting us today as something that's beneficial to us. It's nothing new. This has been going on forever. And there are major people in different countries in the world working towards this. Congressmen, senators, uh, in various nations, I'm saying. They go to the World Economic Forum schools and then they place them out in corporate positions, government positions, different things. And ultimately, they all work for their end. And I know it's hard for people to understand that, but it does actually go on. So that's what they're doing. More importantly, what is God doing? What's his plan, not their plan, which we need to focus on? They think they are using us, yet God is using them uh, for his own eternal plan. So what is this eternal plan? That's where our perspective needs to be, seeing and living life from Jesus's point of view, rather than the false prophets and the marketing masters of our time. Focusing on their message, you lose hope. You become anxious, fearful, and angry, and, they, and divisive. I mean, division is their thing. That's what they have. Everything they do is to divide us because it's easily to rule over people that are divided and angry and fearful. That's what they want. So that that doesn't ever happen, what does our Lord do? Well, the Lord even gets involved in a shaking. The enemy thinks he's shaking up things for her, his purposes, but God is shaking things up in the world right now for his purposes. And I, 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 don't, I know you're not going to see this on TV again with all the outlets that they own, but there is a tremendous revival and awakening going on right now all over the globe. It's a sovereign move of God. It's not about any man, ministry, uh, building anything, doctrines, none of that stuff. It's a sovereign move of God where he is gathering a people. The Holy Ghost is lifting up and exalting Jesus, and people are coming to Christ. And again, it's happening all over. And 
this is what God is doing. And, and I know we say when God begins to shake, where is he going to begin to shake? Well, a lot of, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. A lot of the, quote, church world needs to be shaken up. Because sometimes our focus does get off. I just mentioned earlier, focus and perspective. It gets a little skewed, again, because of where we live and the whole message that's being constantly put out there in government, in finance, and even in religion. And I use that, when I say religion, I'm not talking about followers of Jesus. I'm talking about the religious world. But... So sometimes there's a shaking needed right in the church. There's a scripture in Hebrews which says, whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. So think of it as a parent with a child. Doesn't the parent sometimes have to discipline the child? Why? So the child gets, gets on the right path so that the child begins to follow the truth. And so God has to sometimes shake us up. And it doesn't always produce sometimes shaking. Uh, well, that same scripture I said, it says, no chastisement for the present time sees, seemeth joyous. It's not fun when you're going through it. It says, nevertheless, it talks about what it yields, the peaceable fruits of righteousness, love, joy, peace, all of those things. And that's what God, that's why God never shakes us to hurt us or to harm us. He does it to heal us, to bring us to where we need to be, to get our priorities in order, to get our focus right, to have us follow, love and serve him, love and serve others, and really bring forth his kingdom. He takes us just enough to give us a vision consistent with the truth of him and the kingdom of God. So shaking in the church is a good thing, not a bad thing. So I wanted to give, to support that, there's just a few examples in Scripture so that uh, you can see where there was times that uh, God would actually do a shaking just to get his church going where they need to go. He, and Jesus was, seek first the kingdom of God, and he said everything else will be at her. You're the redeemed of the Lord. And so he wants us wants to bring us not only to the place where he sees us, but ultimately to the place where our heart really wants to be. And so the Apostle Paul put it a certain way. He said, in this lifetime only, if we have hope. He said, then we're all men most miserable, to be pitied. He said, the resurrection is our great hope. The kingdom of God is our great hope. If we don't have a resurrection power in Christ, then what's the point? So we're always living with an eternal perspective. But things sometimes in the church world didn't always even, I just mentioned the Apostle Paul, there was a shaking going on in the earth back then. It was a shaking in the whole Jewish world. Jesus was trying to shake up the Sanhedrin council. And as the apostles went forth, even after they received the Holy Spirit, there was still a shaking going on. And folks, there was actually persecution that came against the apostles. Now, did God use that for his good? Yes, he did, because every time they persecuted the church, the church grew stronger. The church just kept growing, and it confounded the uh, Romans. It confounded the others. They could not figure this out. Here we are persecuting them, and, and it just keeps growing. But Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Matthew was stabbed to death. 
there was another James that was stoned to death. Matthias, who took Judas's place, he was burned for for 300 plus years. The persecution and the shaking went on. There were actually people as crazy as it is. The Romans would throw them out to the animals and they would uh, cover them in wax, set them on fire, put their skins of animals on them so they, and, and so they would be fed to the dogs. They were beheaded, boiled to death, crucified. It was uh, horrible. But I want you to understand through all that shaking, God wasn't ignorant of what was going on. He's not, he's not persecuting them, but he's using the persecution. What the enemy means for evil, God is growing, growing, growing his church. So I don't think we should fear shaking. When, we, when shaking comes into the church, see it as a sign of what God is going to do with us. He's going to grow us individually. He's going to grow his church. He's going to raise up his bride of Christ to be exactly who we want to be. He will separate us unto him. There's a revival and awakening I mentioned going on right now. The next step after that is going to be a separation unto Jesus, where some of the things we've been pursuing, we will stop pursuing. Some of the things uh, that need to be forsaken, we will forsake. We will get our priorities and focus in order. We will be separated unto Jesus, and he, on the other side of that, will fill us with Holy Ghost power. Then we're going to see the kingdom of God manifested. And again, when that happens, the shaking will come again because the enemy, the thing that the enemy fears the most is when Christians get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and begin to manifest the kingdom of God. The enemy, and people are going to probably disagree with me on this, the enemy does not get concerned when Christians look to politics as the answer. He says, good, you're coming right into my system. The enemy gets concerned when the power of Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom and the character of Christ comes forth through his people and tears down the powers of darkness, sets the captive free, the oppressed free, and the suppressed free. That's what the enemy fears, and that's what God is going to do. So again, don't fear shaking. And Hebrews 12, 27, I, I should read it, but I... I forgot to bring my Bible before I sat down. It basically is a verse, Hebrews 12, 27. You can read that. It talks about a shaking to get rid of everything that prevents you and me from standing strong and being unshakable. So the other side of the shaking is to eventually make us unshakable. So there are things in our lives that need to be shaken out. That's kind of normal and natural. And I think at such a time as this, that's what God and, and his gathering behind that is going to come a shaking where he really purifies his church, where he really separates us unto him. And we will not be afraid of what we might be losing or what we might be leaving. We will be more excited about where we're going and what we're gaining. We will be so full of his power, his anointing, his presence in our lives Nothing else will matter. And uh, actually, in Matthew 24, Jesus spoken of his return in terms of a great shaking taking place. Heaven and earth would be shaken. 
when Jesus came, he shook up everything, the land, the law, and the temple. That wasn't going to be the focus. Jesus was going to be for focus. All of that was to lead to Jesus. His church was going to be the new Israel, Jew and Gentile under him. Everything that they rejected because they could not wrap their mind around it. Still, people can't. Actually, Jesus gave them one generation, 40 years, to get their act together. During that time, he said there would be a shaking. He said there's going to be pestilence, famine, earthquakes, wars, false prophets, love growing cold, all of the things that we're even seeing today. But he, he did all that to bring them to repentance. They refused to do it. In 70 AD, what happened? Jerusalem is destroyed. The Roman army comes in. And by the way, when the Roman army comes in, they think they're doing their thing. No, all they were was instruments that God was using to bring the judgment that he prophesied years earlier. The same thing with the nation of Israel when they went into captivity. The Babylonians thought, we're doing our thing. And God says, no, I'm just using you as my instrument because I'm bringing judgment against them because they rejected me. So these things have been going on all through history. Things are going on today. God, get the, I just said, gave them a generation. And he gives people even today, what's, what's, what's going on in the world today God has been reaching out to us for the last number of years. And believe it, he has been exposing things right before our eyes. <clears throat> He's been actually showing us the evil in some of the things that people look to. I mean, he's done it in government. He's exposed presidents in our lifetime. He's exposed senators and congressmen in our lifetime. Right now, he's even exposed a Supreme Court justice in our lifetime. He's done it over and over. He's, he's exposed Hollywood for the evil that's there. He's exposed corporations. He's exposed the whole banking system years ago to show the corruptness of it, the vileness of it. He's exposed the religious world. He's exposed sexual immorality and, and, and pedophiles and all that stuff. And I'm not talking, I, I know the people, when I say that, they think of the Catholic Church. No, he exposed it with the Southern Baptist. He's exposed televangelists. He's done all of this stuff, folks. And what, I guess this is going to sound critical. We continue to support the very things he exposes because we can't seem to separate ourselves from them. And I know we say, well, how, how are we going to do that in the world we live in? Well, when Jesus came, he was under Roman occupation, all the Jewish people was. And he knew, he said, render to Caesar, okay. But what he didn't want, he kept exposing the stuff in the Sanhedrin council and the other saying, look, don't get immersed in it. Don't put your trust in it. Don't put your support in it. Look to me and my kingdom. And that's what he's doing today. When he exposes today, it's to open our eyes to the truth, to see the deception that's there, to say, flee it, get out of it. Don't, don't immerse yourselves in it. Look, I understand where we're living. There's some things we got to do. I get it. But my goodness, we don't define ourselves by these systems. We don't define ourselves by the very things he's exposing. We see it. We understand it. And we don't get immersed in it. Okay. Okay, what else can I say? Well, I just mentioned this. I wrote down some notes, but I understand we live in a world and, you know, we're subject to certain systems. And again, I don't want to belabor that. Just Let's just not 
live for them. Jesus taught us to live in the world, but not be a part of the world's way of doing things. He wanted the world, when they look at us, he wants the world to see, of course, Jesus. And then he wants us, as they look at us, to say, this is the kingdom of God. This is That's what he did with the nation of Israel when he raised them up. He wanted the other nations of the world to say, I've raised them up to be distinct, unique. There's someone special. Look at the everything I've given them, even the laws I've given them are totally different from yours. I'm showing them, I'm, I'm doing this so they can be a light to you guys so that you'll see the one true living God. And anyway, that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be distinct, unique. And when they look at us, they see us as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He wants us to, in our everyday lives, to the people we come in contact with, be Jesus. Let them see Jesus in us. There's nothing more important than us right where we're at. Just, I call it mustard seed ministry. No one sees it, but it's there. You're being Jesus to the people around about you. If God wants you to do something different, something special, I mean, I know everybody today can be sometimes ministry conscious. Well, he'll tap you on the shoulder and he'll tell you what to do. He knows how to get a hold of you. He knows how to pull you over to the curb. He can do all of that. If he wants you to do something special, and that can happen sometimes, sure. Other than that, just be Jesus every day to the people you encounter with your family, with your neighbors, at work. Jesus said, so let your light shine that others may see your good works and glorify your God, your Father in heaven. Okay. So in the shaking that's going to take place, what I wanted to talk about, and I'm actually going to finish up with this, What I think is going to happen in the very near future, uh, and I'm saying that Jesus needs to shake some things so that we get our priorities in order and such. Uh, one of the things they've they've touched when with the enemy's plan is, first of all, with climate change, and I mentioned then the pandemic. The next thing that they're, they're really looking to do is in the economic world. We already have an international economic system. We do. I know that each each country has their own central bank, but that central banking system is all controlled by the same people. They might call it the Federal Reserve here in America, the Bank of England in England. They'll call it other things in other places. Ultimately, it's all one. Now they want to eventually bring it right out in the open. So the the plan that's been going on right now, even through this Ukrainian war, now we're looking at this and we're saying, well, this is great. America's getting the support of NATO. We're growing NATO. Look, I'm not a prophet, and I don't pretend to be a prophet, but I don't think you have to be. I think when you study history and see how empires operate, in order for the next great empire to come, which could be the last one, I don't know, that's God's timing, not mine. In order for that to happen, you get the empires that are in place out of play. So you appear to make it like you're doing one thing while you're doing another. This is not America leading NATO. This is NATO leading America right down the road they want them to go. Britain, what did they do? They left the whole European Union thing. They called it Brexit. You're seeing little by little 
the dissolving of the British slash American empire. Now, can this, I, how much time this takes? Again, ultimately, what they're doing, it's really God's plan. It's up to God what his timing is. So I, I'm not going to get into dates and times and because that's up to my Lord. I'm just saying that what's going on right now, the whole plan and purpose is to bring about the demise of the American slash British Empire. And believe me, we America is a, an extension of the British Empire. I lived in New England. I mean, I don't, I don't know that you could be any clearer than that. <clears throat> so how are they going to go about doing it if I'm saying economically? I believe that one of the things you're going to see in the near future is the dollar shaken as the international currency. I don't even think that's going to be that uh, far down the road. I don't think people understand that right now nations around the world are making plans to operate without the American dollar. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? The American dollar being the king. When you buy oil in the world, you had to transfer all your money over to the American dollar. That made the American dollar supreme. Everybody wanted the American dollar and enabled us in America to print dollars, to run deficits, to do all the ridiculous things we've done because the nations of the world needed the dollar. The dollar was that strong. Now there are nations in the world that are making plans to go forth without the dollar and they have what they call BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Actually, the president of Brazil was just over in China securing an agreement for what they call the new bank. In other words, their own bank, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, so they can do the trading among themselves minus the U.S. dollar. So, and you say, well, what's the significance of that? When the U.S. dollar loses its power, then it's devalued all of a sudden. So think of this. Think of it this way. And this is kind of sad. I mean, I know young people that when I say young, I'm in my 70s now. So anybody, everybody's a kid to me these days. But I'm talking about people, let's say they're in their 50s. And they've worked for years and years already. And years ago, they gave us that 401k thing, which, you know, again, was put out there. Like I mentioned earlier, things are always put out there for your benefit. And what they did is they took all America's money and played with it in the stock market. And so all middle America's money is governed by the stock market because you can't get at your 401k. But the thing is, let's say you've worked all these years, and I know people that have got $200,000, $300,000 in their 401k. When What happens with the dollar that I'm talking about right now happens? Your money's going to be worth maybe 50 cents on the dollar. And that's a shame that that could ever happen to people, but that's what's going to happen to people. And you say, well, America would never allow that to happen. Yes, they would if there's people actually in governmental, behind-the-scenes positions that are pushing for it. Yeah, that's because they are a part of what I mentioned earlier, this new world order. And if you think this is conspiracy theory, that's what they always throw out there. Everything's a conspiracy theory so that you never see the reality. All they have to do is label a conspiracy theory, and that means, oh, okay, everybody's going to dismiss it now. And in the meantime, as they're saying that, I mentioned earlier, God is exposing everything. He's putting it right out there in front of us so that we can clearly see it. So anyway, I'm saying that's going to happen in the future. You say, how do we prepare for that? Well, there's, there's, uh, the best thing I could say financially is get out of the, as best you can, get out of debt. Uh, some of the freest people in the world are those that don't owe anything. They, they're more free than the people that have all the assets. 
But beyond that, our greatest preparation, you know what it is? There was a, a parable Jesus spoke as he was speaking about towards the end times. He got, it's Matthew 24, and then he goes into Matthew 25, which, of course, Jesus wasn't doing 24 and 25, but he gave three parables in Matthew 25 reflecting what he had just said in Matthew 24. And the first parable he gives was five wise and five foolish virgins. And the five wise virgins, the reason why they were able to make it through, overcome the oil. And the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Their oil was there that when the time came, their oil shined brightly and they were able, it was a whole wedding metaphor that was going on. They were able to go with the, the, into the wedding. They were welcomed into the wedding because they had the oil. The oil's a type of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying, our greatest preparation, what I talked about earlier, being filled with the presence and power of God. That's what God's doing right now. That's his plan right now. He's preparing his people in a different way. He's not preparing his people by telling them who to vote for, what to do with their assets, what to invest in. He's preparing them by filling them with his Holy Ghost and power. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me while I actually take a drink. Thank you. And of course, when the dollar crashes or when the dollar becomes devalued, it's going to impact what you, the stock market and everything else. And it's going to have a downward effect on America because what they, in the end, what they really want to do bring America down. You bring America down economically. And I'm not talking about here like the destruction of America. There's not going to be an America anymore when the when this kind of shaking happens. No, America's not going to be the same. Britain's not going to be the same. Power is going to shift. And where will it eventually go? I know people are saying Russia, uh, Russia China, those nations I just, India, and all of that. Those nations... We'll set up an economic thing initially, but ultimately, where's all the power going? Right over to Europe, right over to those areas where every one of those international organizations are, and that was the old Holy Roman Empire. That's what it was called back then. It's Austria, Switzerland, uh, all every one of these organizations that I mentioned, the World Economic Forum, the World Trade Organization, the World Health Organization, the Council of Economic Development, uh, the Bilderbergers, the G7, G20, uh, Bank of International Settlement, World Bank, uh, all of these are in the same place. They're all right there. Eventually, that's where the power going. Now, that's what the enemy thinks he's doing. Do you not, have you, haven't we all read the book of Revelation where God says, eventually, I am going to judge all that. I might allow that to happen for my own plans and purposes because I'm going to expose everything in the end. I'm going to bring it right out into the light. And in the meantime, by the shaking that they think they're doing, what I just said in America and all, that's going to serve my purposes because my people will turn from what they've been supporting. They'll turn to me. They'll turn to my kingdom. I'll fill them with my presence and power, and that's all that will matter to them. The natural world will be superseded by my kingdom. That's where their focus will be. Okay.
Oh, I'm going to leave that off there. And again, I, I'm not trying to be a prophet here or, or whatever. All I'm trying to do is say that things that have happened in history, the enemy has no creativity. He does the same things over and over and over. Empires come, empires go, and then the next one comes in to do the same thing that the other ones have done. And eventually there's going to come a final one and God is going to judge that. And I'm saying, and I don't want to say this, but I'm saying right now the clock's ticking on us. And we think the answer is elect the right person. If we could just get these people out and put those people in. That is failing to see that human government through history is flawed just by virtue of being human government. When God raised up the nation of Israel, he said, I'm your king. I'm your God and I'm your king. And what did they say? They wanted human government. They said, no, we want an earthly king so we can be like all the other nations around us. And when they asked for that, he showed them. He told Samuel, go back and tell those people. Here's what they're asking for. They're going to tax you to death. They're going to send your kids off the war. He detailed everything that was going to happen through human government. And yet they said, no, 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 we'll, we'll still go for it. We're going to support that. And eventually, what did it lead to? The destruction of the nation of Israel to where they went into captivity and they lost their land. Now, God in his graciousness, he gave them another opportunity, another opportunity until Jesus came that was like their final opportunity. Here am I, the son of God now. Of course, he got rejected then too. But my point in saying all of that was to say they wanted human government, and human government through history has been flawed. It winds up being corrupt. By its very roots, it winds up being corrupt because ultimately it rejects God's authority, and I don't care how they use God's name. They can use God's name. The enemy uses God's name. That's not the point. So where does our faith and trust belong? We need to stop looking where we've been looking, put our priorities, our focus, our perspective on Jesus and his kingdom. And I trust that we will. You know why? Because he's going to do it by his spirit in us and through us. All we have to do is look to him and say, Jesus, wash me afresh, Lord. If I've been pursuing what I shouldn't be pursuing, if I need to forsake something, you let me know, Jesus, I'm willing. Say yes to Jesus every day and watch what he does. God bless. Thank you for listening.